On this episode, we talk to Kerry Stevens from KFS Recruitment. We talk about getting hired and hiring in the lending space, tips for both candidates and lenders, and much, much more. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And now, let's spend 30 minutes in finance. So I'm Kerry Stevens. I'm the director at KFS Recruitment, and we're a UK-based financial services recruitment agency. We actually focus on the lending sector and specialist lenders, um, mainly small to medium-sized lenders, embryonic lenders especially, um, and we have seven staff across the UK. Perfect, and thanks for coming on, Kerry. Really appreciate your time. Um, Are you able just to sort of very briefly run through what actually got you into the industry and, and obviously why the the lending sort of aspect of, of recruitment? Yeah, I, I completely fell into recruitment. So I was working in sales. Um, I was selling cars for Rover, the car, uh, the car company. Oh, yeah. And I I went home to, to my hometown, Rayleigh in Essex, and I met uh, the love of my life, who is the guy I sat in class with from 11 to 16. And um, we we started dating when I was 22. And after three months, I moved back down to Essex. And I just got a job in, in as, a, as a waitress and as a, a barmaid, which is a profession that's just so much fun because it's that interaction. Just whilst I was finding the right uh, sales position to crop up. And it just so happened that I was serving a customer who was a director of a recruitment agency. And he said, have you ever thought about being in recruitment? And I said, well, absolutely, but I've just never had the opportunity. So he said that he was um, he was going to be running interviews the following day. So I went to the interview, which was fantastic. And I, I still keep in contact with Chris now. And um, he made me do one of those personality profiles that are, are very, very interesting um, to do. And it came up that I was too empathetic to be a recruitment agent. Um, I, <laughs> I wasn't nice. going to be, yeah, I wasn't going to be salesy enough. Um, I didn't like confrontation, um, and all of these kind of things. And I literally felt like I was stepping out of the shower, completely exposed because everything that he was saying in this profile was me and it still is me today. And he, and he said on this profile, I don't think that you're supposed to be a recruitment agent. And, um, so, so I looked at him, I was like, okay, well, well I, I feel that that's an accurate, um, that's, that's an accurate dis- description of me. And he said, well, I'm going to give you a chance anyway. And literally, I have not looked back. So I started off in IT recruitment, which wasn't right for me because I, I, I'm not really passionate about the, the profession. And then I fell into lending recruitment when a, a recruitment agency, a, a, a really good recruitment agency, in my hometown was recruiting and I promised to go for an interview just to help a rec to rec agent so somebody who recruits recruitment agencies um I I promised I'd I'd go along for it just to kind of help her get her numbers up so she'd interviewed enough candidates that week (laughs) so (laughs) so I popped along not wanting to not wanting to go for this job in Leon C and it just so happened that when I met the director of that company and he specialised in mortgages and insurance. There was so much um, synergy between me and him um, and our backgrounds that immediately I just thought to myself, I want to work for you. Uh, whatever profession you're working for, I think, um, I think that we will make a good team. And I, I spent nearly 10 years with that agency. And um, initially, I, I started off recruiting for mortgages. So it was primarily for mortgage brokers, mortgage um, ad- advisory. So people like John Charcoal, the Mortgage Times, and then um, the mortgage uh, lenders, the specialist mortgage lenders, people like um, Platform, um, GMAC, uh, GE Lending, SPML, um, <laughs> lovely, lovely lenders. And then after that, I, I, I didn't know where I was going. I could just recruit anything. I just wanted to talk to people. But the more people that I spoke to in lending, the more I realised it. It's a really lovely sector filled with 
great people and every time I go to an expo or every time I've been to a round table event or just some kind of congregation where there's conversation in the sector I've always felt like it's um it's been enjoyable and interesting and I felt like coming home so um about 13 14 years ago um my career diversified a little bit um in fact primarily over the last crash and I uh, I had a call from a bridging lender to say look I know that you recruit for mortgage lenders but would you look at recruiting for a bridging lender we'll teach you about the sector and if you recruit for people for the five vacancies that we've got and you recruit for those well then you can have our account exclusively so I went up to London to meet them really nice company and I, I recruited one of one of the vacancies that I recruited for was a BDM vacancy and that year, that BDM went to win the BDM of the year at the BNC Awards. So oh, they nice. invited me. Good find. To the, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They most most of the BDMs actually since have actually been placed by me as well. Um, but that that first that first encounter at the BNC Awards, um, and they sat me on a table with them. And then they literally walked me around to every lender that was in there and said, hey, who's dealing with your recruitment? You should be using Kerry. And that one night, my whole career changed. And instead of recruiting primarily for mortgages, I then switched to recruiting primarily for bridging, which was a much more buoyant area in the last crash. And, and, and as, as we're seeing at the moment or going to see, it's quite a buoyant market in rocky times now. So I just feel incredibly grateful that that, that actually happened because um, I didn't I didn't intend to be in lending. I didn't all I knew was that I really love speaking to people. I really love understanding people. I really like getting to the culture of people and seeing you know how people fit together, how people work together. That's really been a big, big passion of mine. The sector itself, I couldn't leave now because everybody has just been so welcoming and so kind that um, I just found this little niche in the world where I just feel, yeah, as I say, I know I've said it before, it feels like coming home. So that's how I got into it. And that's why we're, we're primarily in the specialist lending sector, uh, dealing with bridging development, specialist mortgages, a little bit of asset and invoice as well. Um. And the mortgage brokerages. Yes, it's it. Uh, you know, it's definitely in the specialist sort of sector uh, or specialist lending sector, it is very, very close knit. Like if you go on LinkedIn and have a look at anyone that I know, there's probably so many sort of similar connections. And you know, you're also connected to these people, and you talk to people. And obviously, we were having a chat yesterday, um, and sort of names came up that you'd recently spoken to and you know it is it's very small and obviously we've spoken in the past um and it is it's very nice it's close-knit um a lot of people sort of have been in several sort of lenders and they, they sort of help out um and that's why it is nice and, and I've been in quite a while how long have how long ago did you start um doing sort of specialist uh, lending and that kind of thing nearly 20 years now Okay. So I think it's so been 18, well. 18, 19 years for specialist lending. And then for, uh, when I say specialist, I mean buy to let, um, that kind of lending. And then yeah. bridging, I think, I think it's been, it's, it's been 16 years, maybe. Wow. Yeah. So you yeah. probably know more about, <laughs> about it than I do. Uh, <laughs> well, we've, we've got. We've got 594 mutual connections, David, apparently oh. on, on LinkedIn. It is a small, it is a small world. Yeah, that's probably um, all of my connections, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> which just goes to show exactly what I was saying. And I, I think, yeah, it is, it's not surprising really that, you know, once you do a good job for someone as well, that you, you just get sort of recommended. And um, as with um, sort of KFS, um, what does that stand for? Firstly, I'm guessing Kerry something Stevens, or uh, is that presumptuous of oh, yeah. me? 
Oh, I hang my head in shame, really. It's the worst. It's I'm not proud of the company name, I've got to say. It's so close to KFC for a start. Everyone's like, oh, you're at KFC Recruitment. No, no, we're not. I do like a KFC every now and then, but no, it's not KFC. Um, my middle name is Louise, so it's not my middle name. It's Kerry's Financial Services is what I was thinking initially. Uh, yep. No um, but my fiance's is Frost. So I, I thought we've been engaged for 10 years, which is just shameful. Um, he's lovely. What's he he's lovely. For? We're still in love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently there's there's no need to rush things. Um, <laughs> but so, so theoretically my name would be Kerry Frost Stevens. So I was... I was toying with the idea that it covered both areas, but the longer it goes where I where I've remained unmarried, um, the more I think that probably I should have thought of a different name. But it's too late now. I've I've often toyed with changing the company name. And when I've spoken to people in the market, they've just said, Kerry, it doesn't really matter. No, once it once a brand is is being yeah. used, that they're just gonna it, it doesn't really matter what, what the company name is. It's you and your employees, so, and, and that's what they get to know. Um, probably some yeah. of them don't even know it's KFS. They just know it's Kerry or or whomever it, uh, yeah. that they're working with. And and you said you've got seven sort of members of staff. Um, do they all sort of – was that right, firstly, seven of them? There's seven of us, including me. Okay. Yeah, and, um, yeah, we, we, we have uh, three consultants, um, so you've got Jan Gallagher, and Jan is the Queen of the North. So she's based up in, in the Liverpool area. And before becoming a recruitment consultant and joining the dark side with me, I placed Jan um, as a um, regional account manager at Mast Haven. Um, okay. God, about, about, a decade a year, about a decade ago. And um, she has been a BDM and a mortgage broker for the last 30 years nearly she's got more knowledge than than anybody I've, I've I've spoken to in recruitment ever in terms of understanding products across the whole suite of you know bridging development mortgages secured loans she understands it from an insider's perspective she's managed a team of national BDMs she's you know been in heavy meetings internally as part of a lender she's run her own mortgage brokerage so she's really senior firsthand and then she's come to recruitment um, and she she's hit the ground running um, and she has such an incredible name in the market. She's very lovable, uh, uh, very, very funny. And uh, she, she's our queen of the north. So we've got Jan and then we've got Natasha Nichols. And Natasha Nichols has been with us a couple of years now. She's amazing. She deals with all of the southern vacancies. She used to work for the same um, recruitment agency that I um, worked at not at the same time but um, we had kind of similar training and I and I really liked the training that I had within that company so that that spoke volumes for me she's very similar in the way that she works to me as well so she manages a lot of the London and the southern um, home home counties uh, lenders um, she's heart on your sleeve she's yeah very very quick works a lot of hours um, and then you've got myself and I kind of I, I do what I can from a from a key account management perspective, but I'm doing a lot of delegation and working with the, the consultants as well at the moment, um, because my focus is, um, I guess, more about the growth of KFS recruitment and what it's going to become over the next couple of years. Um, I've then got um, Leanne. So Leanne's been with me since I think month two. So she's been with me since 2016, early 2016, when I set up KFS. And she started off as PA, but she has recruited people. She's been on a lot of the meetings. She goes to the Expos, the awards. She's our operations director now. Um, she's she has a she's my pepper pots. I call I call her pepper pots to everybody that I speak to. And um, I, I if I could have a contract where I put her on a nine month notice period, I would. Um, because she is the golden tapestry, really, uh, the golden thread of our ta tapestry. Um, and then we've got some consultants who are coming up through the ranks as, as resources, the senior resources. So we've got Megan Fox, who's got the best name out of all of us, to be fair. <laughs> it's always a conversation starter. Yeah. Um, 
and we've got uh, Ellie Cockgrove, and they they support the uh, the consultants in in finding the the candidates. So they're doing absolutely brilliantly. And we've got Joe, who is our um, administrator and our operations executive. And then we use a marketing company as well for a bit of marketing. So yeah, there's it's um it's exciting times really. Yeah, I think we probably will grow again in the next few months. Yeah, because um, I was just going to say, obviously, you said obviously a little earlier, you're focusing more on the sort of the macro uh, sort of view of of uh, KFS. What is the the sort of end goal for you? Where do you see it going? It's it's a hard thing because I guess that when people understand, so so my team are based primarily in Essex. Um, which is where I come from, and then I've got Jan up up north. I'm based over in Sydney, um, which I know is is extremely left field. And when people hear that I'm based in Sydney and I work nocturnal hours, it kind of leaves them a bit perplexed. But it does work, so I'll work. Mostly jealous, I, can... I would say. That's the uh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, you don't need to be jealous. It's been raining all year. It's <laughs> it's. It's cold, hot, hail. You never know. In, in fact, since I've been here, I've been here six, six and a half years, and it, it was droughts, and then it was um, fires, and then it was COVID, and then it was floods, and we're now just on this sporadic four seasons in one day. You, you're yeah. constantly carrying around clothes because it's like you need need a jumper, then you then you're really humid, and it's um. Yeah, it, it feels as though I feel like I'm going through the menopause a little bit early, to be fair, on, on days like this. <laughs> and uh, um, it's, it's challenging because I work through the night, so 10 p.m. till 5 a.m., Monday to Friday, um, which yeah. obviously um, has its implications in terms of health implications, but um, it does enable me to look after my three children in the day and do the school runs and free me up in that sense. So... I work, I, ha, I manage two lives, but not, not very much sleep. So I guess over the next couple of years, I would like to um, not necessarily go into Australia because I, I did think about it, going to Australian ending, because that's, that's, you know, there must be a space for that. There's a lot of, there's a lot of development come, going on here. But yeah. the people that I love are in the UK. So they're not, you know, it's, it, it, finding those the people that I work with, some of those people I've, I've known for nearly 20 years, they, they feel like family. Um, and I can pick up the phone and know that I can I can ask them anything, talk about anything. It's it's very much like barriers down. And and I feel most authentically Kerry when I'm on the phone to my work clients. And um, I don't know if I want to generate that again. From a business perspective, I probably should. But it's hard to let go of something that's my baby so I think that the natural progression for KFS will be to add one more consultant one more resourcer on on bridging and development and then take somebody else whether that be an asset finance or whether that be an insurance and just slightly left field it in England um, so that we've got another another string to our bow yeah and I was buying back your time I guess is is the ultimate goal for for all sort of business owners really it's first it's you and only you and mm. then then you sort of bring it in and and fortunately and from the sounds of it you've got a great team that you can sort of pat, hand things down to and and know that all of your sort of clients are in, in safe hands um as it is an interesting one with the recruitment and it's something that i i don't know if you're happy to sort of chat about this but how does the actual sort of you know pay work for for someone listening in sort of getting the sort of income from the business obviously it all depends on you actually finding successful candidates um but is it based on as i've heard a few sort of different options sort of flat fees or uh, like one month salary or two months or three months or, or whatever how does that typically work and is it different in the lending space to all other spaces or are you happy to briefly yeah, chat about yeah. I'm, I'm I'm completely open book. Um, so there are some agencies that charge a retainer and they'll they'll charge monthly, regardless of whether that company's got a um, vacancy or not. And when the vacancy comes up, they'll fill it. 
but it's part of their retainer package that they have. Um, with us, we, we're quite typical in the way that recruiters work. So if a lender comes to us, so say Bank A comes to us and says, right, Kerry, we've got this underwriter vacancy. It's going to be paying, say if in Bridgen, it's going to be paying between 45 and 60. It's going to be working in London, preferably five days a week. And here's a job specification. Can you go and find somebody for us? What we will do is we'll put that on five forums. That'll be on LinkedIn. It'll be on Read. It might go out onto Indeed. It, it'll go onto our website. It'll go onto our, our Facebook, um, on our, onto our Instagram. So it'll go, go to five or six different sources. And then um, from there, you'll have all of us kind of looking for, through the candidates. There isn't a fee chargeable at all until somebody starts with a business. So say if I had, I spoke to 50 underwriters. Um, underwriters are honestly very rare at the moment. But say if I spoke to 50, of those 50, 12 were potentially looking. Of those 12, I receive seven CVs. Of those seven CVs, I like three. I send across three CVs. I don't really want to send clients more than three to five CVs per job because otherwise they're just looking, they're ploughing through all the stuff that they're trying to pay me a fee to save their time rather than elongate the process by chucking every candidate at them. So I try and send three CVs. Of those three CVs, I want them all to have an interview. They'll have two interviews. And then if nobody's successful, after all of those hours of work for everybody, there's no fee and nobody makes any money. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, we, we trust ourselves, we trust our service, we we trust our database and, and our contacts. So that doesn't really often happen. You normally find that one person out of those three will get the job and our rate will go from 15 to 22% typically um, based on the basic salary. So okay. if it's an underwriter... And they get uh, forty five thousand as a starting salary. Then it will be um, it it will be I think eighteen percent of that forty five thousand or fifteen percent of that forty five thousand. I think it's eighteen at that level. Um, and then if it's a BDM, it will be based on the salary and the car allowance together. So anything that's a taxable income. So you know when when they say. Oh, they'll be on 45k but they'll also be these really big benefits and they'll also get a 20 percent or 10 percent um, bonus at the end of the year and they'll get the other bits and bobs we don't charge on any of that it's just the taxable basic and car so yeah that is okay and then then that is chargeable from day 30 of them being present in the office so the invoice goes in the day that they start and then the company has until day 30 to pay their bill um Typically, that works really well. In a in an uncertain market, there there has been notoriously, um, especially with with more embryonic lenders who are kind of um, trying to juggle the the early day uh, finances of running an organisation. There there can be a, a little bit of um, complexity there and, and negotiation there into. You know, please pay your bill by date. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I can but, imagine because it's it's not a insignificant amount of money, but it's not a you know it's not a huge amount for if you're no, if no. you're getting the right candidate, they can make their money back rather rapidly, uh, especially for BDM roles and that sort of thing. You'd hope anyway. Uh, <laughs> and it is an yeah, interesting there one. Are, there are a lot of agencies that charge a lot more than us. Um, so I don't think that we're unfair. And, and I do agree that when it's an established organisation, when it's an established lender, it's a spit in the ocean in terms of the fee, really. Yeah. Um, but when it's a, when it's a smaller organisation, it's a startup. I do understand when there's investors involved um, that things have to be planned properly so that the expenditure isn't too complex within month one when they've got a whole course to get through and you know you have to be fair so we do have terms of business that are, that are structured and, and that go out and are standardized and i'd say probably 85 percent of our clients are on those and then you do get other lenders who are like right for six months can we have these kind of terms and and we're a small um 
company that luckily we we can be we can be a little bit flexible as and when needed. Yeah, because it is it is a very interesting sort of situation we're in, and obviously, and you mentioned at the sort of top end of this that that the market's a little wobbly, and and sometimes that how is that actually sort of, and how does that impact sort of people's hiring patterns, and obviously how busy you are, um, because you said underwriters are, are pretty rare. Um, so what are you finding out there in the market at the moment? What's sort of available and are there enough candidates out there? <laughs> and what, what sort of, yeah, what's the sort of outlook, I guess, on the, the sort of, if someone was looking to hire someone? It, it's definitely the second most difficult uh, period of time in recruitment for me in, in 20 years. So wow. um, we have, there are candidates out there um, who are looking a lot of them are scared to move because they they're so worried. Um, with with COVID, it it was quite horrendous. I I had six offers out, um, which had all been accepted, and everybody had handed in the notice uh, to different lenders, all different lenders. And then COVID happened, and six of the offers were retracted. They couldn't go back to their previous jobs because they'd handed in the notice. They weren't entitled to anything because they weren't employed. And it left a really sour taste. And and it it really did mess up people's livelihoods. So the market is thinking, hang on a minute, it's it's a little bit ropey here. I don't know if I want to step into uncertainty. So they've still got that passion in their belly and they want they want all they want to join a lender that, that wants to lend. There's a lot of lenders being very hesitant at the moment. So they, they want to join a lender where they're they're growing and they're innovative and they they can be who they want to be and they, there's career growth and they're happy to go to work and the team's nice and there's great culture and all of those kind of things. But when it actually comes down to signing the document, they then have to look and think, can I take this risk for six months in probation um, in order to take to make this move now the answer should be absolutely take it because there's no certainty with anybody we saw with Mars Haven that you can look at an established brand and a lot of candidates will come to me and say look I really want to join it's got to be established it's got to be established and it doesn't make you safer to join an established brand if anything they have more power to be able to bolster their teams so that they can um, ease up 10% of their workforce if they need to if they need to create space they have the support there whereas a small company need to safeguard every single person that's on board so I don't think it's I don't think it's any safer to join a bigger company yeah just I think that there's the a miscommunication out there yeah. you know, your Facebooks and everything it's like 10,000 people poof just gone yeah. <laughs> and it like it's nothing yeah. whereas you're right a smaller company that one person is maybe 25 percent of your workforce so you know that that's you're far more important yeah. to them um than it, you know one in ten thousand that's right and when you're trying to train somebody and when you've only got four people in the company and you know how much it, how much time it takes to dedicate to train somebody up and then you lose that individual and you've got to go through that whole process again not only does it uh does it mean that you know, you haven't got that space filled. You're also taking away all of your own working time in order to build somebody else up. So it's almost like you lose two people. Yeah. Before you're 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 ahead. So it's like, it is taking two steps back to take three steps forward. It's it's a horrible process for smaller companies. So I put I, I've always been a fan of smaller companies. I've always worked for smaller companies, and I I personally like being able to eyeball the CEO and see the excitement and the fear and the and the plans and the passion and the dream and and be really involved on the emotional journey of it all um but candidates yeah are very very flaky at the moment when it comes to accepting the role there's a couple of things that are big big pointers at the moment so inflation's huge at the moment as everybody is knowing I think the best diet that anybody can go on at the moment is just the cost of food diet I think food has gone up astronomically, electricity, housing, people's mortgages. People are concerned with their their day-to-day bills. 
Yeah. And that's people at all levels. We're not just talking about people that are entering the sector. We're talking about people that are 20 years plus in the sector thinking, oh my goodness, how am I going to afford this three bedroom home? Um, so there is people, so say if somebody's on 45,000 as a, as a bridge and underwriter and they want 55,000, it sounds astronomical for somebody to want a 10,000 increase. But what the candidate is saying in their mind is it's not a 10,000 increase because the cost of living is so high now, it's really only a 5,000 increase because my expenses have gone up hugely yeah. and I need that money. And, and in order for me to take that risk, I need to be rewarded for it financially, not because, not through vanity, not through, um, not through greediness, just through financial need. So you've got that element from the candidate's perspective, but then you've also got the lender's perspective that I understand just as much, that they have a company to safeguard. We're all trying to survive. Everybody is trying to survive a, um, you know, a tempestuous sea, I guess, is a, a good way to put it. But, um, you know, the tide is... is is definitely strong at the moment and we we need to make sure that yes okay it's nice for a candidate to get a big increase but we also need to look after our other employees at the same time whilst maintaining an ability to also pay for the increased rent for the increased electricity for the increase all of the all of the corporation increases that we've also seen so you've got clients who don't want to pay an increase in salaries and can't afford it you've got candidates who can't afford to move unless there is a big increase and there's a real butting of heads here which is why there are so many people turning down vacancies and why it's so hard to find the right the right individuals because if you if you speak to lenders we could focus on the people that are unfortunately in the market and there are some you know when people are in the market there's some great people available in the market yeah. um so when it comes to this, this sort of, I guess, the expectations then um, of all the candidates, are they not really matching up then at the moment with what's on offer? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, yeah, oh um, yeah it, it, is, it is a tough market. So the candidates, the one thing that we could do is if, if salaries aren't being met, the other thing that people want is flexibility. So we could offer lower salaries. Or when I say we, I mean, I'm speaking as a lender, we could offer a lower salary for more flexibility. Um, or we could offer less flexibility, but for a higher salary. So it has to be one or two. And it's going to, I think it's going to have to be the lenders that are going to give and are going to need to um, be accommodating purely because if you, if you want the talent that's in the market, there isn't much talent that is actively looking. So yeah. you have to pay. Yeah, and when you say flexibility, what sort of things would that include? Most people want to work from home at least two days a week. It's it's not ideal for a lot of lenders. So during COVID, it worked, it worked fairly well. But I would say that 80% of lenders now want people back five days a week in the office. Um, and I would say 80% of candidates want hybrid working. So three days in the office, two days from home. So again, you've got that complete um, two different voices. They're, they're not singing from the same hymn sheet. And the candidate who's even been made redundant but was working from home four days a week doesn't want the extra cost of having to come into London or go into Manchester to go in five days a week because it adds so much onto their onto their personal expenses. And, and they have become accustomed to, they've bought the COVID dog or they've been able to take their child to school twice a week. There's an emotional baggage now um, that if you're coming into the office, what are you sacrificing? And, and what have you actually, uh, what those people who have been working from home experienced in order for them to want to continue working from home? Um, yeah, it's a very I work from home five days a week and I, I yeah, miss too. the office, I've got to say. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> yeah I don't. 
that's the, <laughs> there's a, yes I've, I've always been remote um, ever since joining FBSE um, and Have it you? is a, it's a strange sort of situation because you initially when you first get into this and this is what I think people did you've got to be very strict on yourself and I imagine a lot of the lenders out there are worried about you know giving people that sort of freedom where they won't and it's a surprisingly sort of political issue occasionally the work from home um, that people are really yeah. strong on one way or the other um, and I, I personally don't have any sort of strong feelings I just I enjoy it um, but I was never opposed I was in a branch in the Barclays for ages and had to go there every day and <laughs> it was absolutely fine as well mm. um, it all depends doesn't it I guess on the the job and what's expected of you and as long yeah. as the expectations are set um it, is that something that you find like let's say for example a, a sort of bdm role or a, an underwriter um are people coming in with sort of very clear sort of expectations of candidates from the start or is that something you think is, is still a bit vague because when i saw it there was a when I, I sort of last got a job which is probably five six years ago um it was relatively vague uh, the sort of job description is kind of generate more business and and that's it so um how has that <laughs> sort of changed or, or has it no people can still be quite vague on in terms of the job specifications a lot of the times you don't even receive job specs from a company they'll just say kerry you know what we like and and that <laughs> is my job spec and um which it isn't always helpful if somebody's coming from a corporate background, say like a Barclays, because you know, you, you're used to a process and you're used to being able to see what, what's required of you. Um, but for a smaller company, it can work really well because you can go in with so many skills and so many hats to wear and you can wear all of them. So it depends on the situation. Um, I do find that um, when whenever I kind of get approached by people they go all oh, this here they go and um it seems to be a bit of a scattergun approach to um the sort of recruitment is that sort of just what it's like as in you've got to hit a hundred people to then potentially get or a thousand people to get maybe 10 that are interested um is it that sort of difficult or because uh, i guess you've got to find the one or two people that aren't happy where they are um that are yeah. looking for something in that specific role in that industry um so it's a bit of a needle in a haystack or or is it kind of yeah. a little easier yeah. than that <laughs> no 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 it's a complete needle in the haystack there, there will be people that i will um, get in contact with that i haven't spoken to for say two years and their jobs have completely changed in those two years so i'm giving them a call about you know a case manager vacancy and they may be a telephone BDM by that time and be not in back office. They want to be sales. And their next step, instead of being underwriting, is going to be out on the field as a BDM. Um, but if I don't approach them, then I won't know. So I just, yeah, I do approach people. And it is almost like a scattergun. It has to be a numbers game. You have to be continuously on the phone. Everybody that you're speaking to, you're asking, do you know of anybody? Um, and sometimes you catch people on a Monday and they're quite chirpy because they've had the weekend but if you speak to them on the Thursday they're quite happy to send their CV to you so it just depends <laughs> on <laughs> the stars aligning but it's a lot of talking um, and it's not persuading we don't like to persuade anybody to take a job I'd, I'd rather um, somebody didn't take a job than take the wrong one yeah um, but it's a pretty big it, decision yeah but sometimes you you put yourself last and you go you go around in this um, autopilot for, for years and years in the same job, just paying the bills, you know, looking after the family, going to work, paying the bills. And it's not until somebody actually stops you in your track and says, hang on a second, are you happy? Yeah, I think it's called comfortably to... miserable. That's the... Yeah. <laughs> it seems and, to and be a lot of people. And the horrible thing is that, that that's the best years of our lives. That's not... That's not just your your pastime. That is, that is, we will never be as as healthy and able as we are today. So, you know, in in a few day, decades time, when we think, oh, it's all right, I can just put up with this for another, till the kids are grown, or you know, whatever, um, we might not be in a in a able body by then. So, 
certain situations may have happened that we won't necessarily be able to retire and and go traveling for 10 years we've got to find happiness where we are in today's world rather than always putting it off because tomorrow doesn't happen and i think I think that's why you need an external voice sometimes as a recruitment consultant, somebody who's not just there to go, right, we've got these five vacancies. We're there to say, what are you happy with? What aren't you happy with? What are you looking for? What's going to help you? What's, how is this going to fit into your life for the next five years? Do you feel comfortable? Do you feel prepared? Do you feel like you've had enough knowledge on this vacancy, on the company, or, you know, on the sector? Like You've just got to really get down to the nitty gritty as to you're dealing with a human being and not just that human being you're dealing with all of the offshoots you're dealing with their wife or their husband their partner you're dealing with their children the children's schools their location their you know there's an offshoot to everything and um and i think that you really need to be humane in the way that that you're offering a service when you're a recruitment consultant yeah, because it does sound that um, like that personality test that you mentioned at the start is it? It seems kind of strange to me because I would have thought being empathetic and you know uh, really open uh, would be a, a plus uh, to to this sort of industry. But I guess is it because you've got to be relatively thick-skinned because there's a lot of nose and a lot of uh, <laughs> kind of time yeah. spent just pounding the phones and that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so there's loads there's loads of cold calling. Um, you know, you're you're speaking to people who don't want to speak to you. I think after so many years, it, that doesn't happen so much because again, you're, you're speaking to people who, even if they're not recruiting, they're they're happy to talk to you for a couple of minutes to see how you are, and you've got that uh, how, how's how's life, how's the kids, how's the dog, that kind of conversation going. Um, but initially, when you become a recruitment consultant you are banging the phones. So you're calling everybody. They don't want to talk to you. They've got their jobs. They're really busy. They think that you're in the same profession. There's certain professions that get tarred with a brush, like us and estate agents. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and I I personally, I've, I've met lots of recruitment consultants along the way who I haven't liked at all. And have been really cutthroat and and. They just want to obviously send your CV to their clients to make a deal. Um, and I think that the agency that I joined in IT recruitment was just um, helping me to establish that cold calling mentality that uh, it was a bit like, um, I, I can't remember what the film is with, with Tom, is it Tom Cruise, where you literally don't ever get off the phone. And if literally oh. he, he, he just finds a way of basically sellotaping the phone to his hand like so that he McGuire can't ever put it down yeah yeah Jerry <laughs> Maguire there we go yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that is what it, it's like when you start in recruitment you're literally phone call phone call phone call phone call um and and you need to you need to understand that 97 percent of people are going to say no but occasionally they say yes and and once you have that one relationship with somebody and you and you find a client that, yeah, they are recruited for two people, potentially five over the year, potentially six next year, and then it goes onwards and upwards. You become, you're on an emotional journey together, and and it's a lovely place to be, and it's worth all of those no's to get those yeses. Um, there's a lot more involved in, in recruitment than I think a lot of people see, and it is a lot of rejection. Yeah. Would you say it's a very sort of, essentially if it's, you were to describe it is it a sales job or is it n not really is it more like a like, i don't know how to describe it even is it would you describe it as salesy um no it's, it is a consultative it's a it's a con consultation job really um i think the word recruitment consultant i think we need to in, in most companies i would say yeah it's a sales job but i think at kfs recruitment we are different in the fact that we want to make sure that it's a long-term placement. We probably recruit less people into the market than other agencies, but we have a very low rebate um, percentage as well. And I think that that speaks volumes. I'd much rather we um, supported somebody saying no to a vacancy than try and push them into to saying yes, just to make the fee. Um, so I would say it's, it's much more consultation than it is sales. But 
the sales aspects comes from um, having your having your heart broken. Every, it must be the same in lending. When when a, when a deal goes wrong, and you know you think you're going to get it, and it, and it doesn't happen, and you feel so frustrated because you put yeah. all of this work in. I get you, flashbacks you know, that... occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because so. you were a South Southwest BDM, weren't you? And yeah. I remember speaking to you years ago. I've, I've still got you on my phone actually as a Southwest BDM, and um, <laughs> and I remember spe- speaking to you years ago that you do get a lot of a lot of rejection. Yeah, um, you do. Got, I get more than most. Have, I think you have to be salesy. <laughs> you yeah. have to be salesy. I doubt that, but um, yeah, you have to be salesy to to operate in a, in a fact where you just dust it off yeah it shouldn't matter yeah I think that's the the thing with everything the the occasional uh sort of yeses generally outweigh quite a lot of no's because they're sort of relatively valuable to you in not necessarily just monetary wise but in terms of just a a bit of relief uh from from the the sort of calling but I, I am conscious of the time so one sort of last question for you um that do you this is sort of twofold really do you have any kind of tips for sort of someone that is currently looking for a job um and then also for the same question, but for lenders that are trying to recruit, something that they might not consider um, trying uh, other than obviously getting in touch with with you, which we'll get to <laughs> shortly, um, but that they could maybe implement to try and improve their chances of finding a, a job or a candidate. Yeah, a tip for candidates is make sure that you spell check your CV. I, I don't I don't want to spell check anybody's CV because I think that it's really dishonest of me to present a CV that that hasn't been created by a candidate. So I I don't take out the spelling errors and I and I'm very um I'm I'm very uh, truthful about that with clients. Um, yeah. so definitely Is that an actual problem the with the kind of it, you know the the yeah. level that you're recruiting at? Wow, <laughs> all levels, all levels, right to senior management, all levels, um. In, in somebody's CV, make sure that you've got your product there. So if you're working in the bridging space, make sure that you're you're adding terms like heavy refurb or if it's development, ground floor up or, you know, whatever it might be, make sure that you put as many terminologies like, uh, or product uh, names on there so that you can, um, a HR person who's looking at your CV who doesn't necessarily understand the lending sector, but has got like a ticky ticky box form and they know what keywords they're looking for. It's kind of keyword bingo, we call it. And just make sure all of your keywords are on there. You, um, and if you need help with, with a CV, just reach out to a consultant and say, look, can you read through this? Is there anything that I need to change? It doesn't cost anything. Um, you know, just just make sure that when that goes ahead, then, then um, it, it looks smart. When you meet people, be pleasant. Don't slag off your old employer, even if you really didn't like them. You know, <laughs> speak around that. That don't. Nobody wants. Um, nobody wants somebody in the organisation who is uh, miserable or um, feeling like they've been. Um, <sighs> kind of forced into out of that job because they hated it (laughs) into the new one they're just escaping from one thing to another um because yeah the one term that i see or heard quite a few times was cultural differences um with the the reason why (laughs) why they left and that (laughs) means that either they were horrible or you were one of the two um which is is an odd one um and what i think that they're good tips especially obviously making sure you because i would imagine with the keywords and everything in there if you use a bit of the jargon in there it just shows that you're you know you know it um and it you operate in that space which is handy and what about on the the lender side of things oh lenders please please offer some flexibility like oh <laughs> if, if if lenders could just offer eight till four instead of nine to five or ten to six or or two days from home or it would make life so much easier for everybody they would the more you you give your employees the more they're going to they're going to give you um you'll get better employees if you are flexible it's without a shadow of a doubt um and 
yeah please understand that when we when we present a cv we'll say what the candidate is looking for and we've had a lot of situations over the last 18 months where um say if a candidate's looking for fifty thousand. I will say that they're looking for 50,000, they're on a four-month, a four-week notice period. And I'll, I'll stipulate that quite clearly. And then, <laughs> then they'll offer 44, 46, 47. But they're not looking for 44, 46 or 47. They're looking for 50. I promise you that we are not bidding. We're not saying 50 because we want a higher fee. We are saying 50 because if you don't offer 50, the likelihood is that there's going to be such a sour taste in the mouth that they just won't accept your job anyway. So come in at where the candidate wants to if they're within salary budget. But just really knuckle down before you interview. Can you realistically afford them? Is it within budget? And if so, be prepared to pay what they are looking for. Yeah, because that sounds like I read a, a good book. I can't remember who it was by, but it was called Never Meet in the Middle, um, which it was, you know, basically it was written by... Um, a chap that was a, an FBI negotiator and he was saying that trying to always negotiate on everything just does exactly what you said it sort of annoys both parties uh, so it's it's best to never meet in the middle as in you just pick a figure that you're happy with and you offer that figure you know don't try and go up or yeah. down either way um, because you, if you're willing to pay it you're willing to pay it um, and if they're willing to accept it then both sides are happy um, but yeah I, th I think that's a, a very good tip and, and one we do get quite a few lenders actually listen to this so um, bear that in mind and on that note obviously if somebody yeah. does want to get in touch with you um, what's the best way to do that or you or your team well we're all on LinkedIn um, so the whole team's on LinkedIn. So you can look at us at KFS Recruitment. And uh, so that's Kilo Foxtrot Sierra, not KFC. Um, you can also go and have a little look at our website, which is just kfsrecruitment.co.uk. Um, or you can give us a call. We've got our telephone numbers on there, but my telephone number is 07765008030. And just give me a call. I'm always happy to chat. Perfect. And I'll make sure on all the descriptions that I put all your details in there. So just check below in the comment section or on the right on Spotify or wherever you're listening. Um, and hopefully, uh, yeah, do give um, Kerry a buzz and, or her team um, and we'll take it from there. So thank you ever so much for your time, Kerry. Really appreciate it. Um, and Thanks we'll have to get pleasure. you back on. Perfect. Alrighty. Thank you again. And thank you so much, David.